the Power Business Technology Toshiba Studios. KHTKAM Sacramento. KYMX HD2 Sacramento. The only station in Sacramento giving you local sports coverage from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Sacktown Sports. The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. All right, joining us right now, we got a lot to cover with. A lot. Maybe we'll fit some kings in there while we're at it. <laughs> She's about to leave on uh, a road trip for the first time in a while. The analyst for your Sacramento Kings with lovely, bouncy, manageable hair. Good volume. Great volume. I'm going to say this. I need it to be proved. Over the years, I have seen every iteration of, of Katie hairstyles, as, as have many. I would say this might be the most volum- voluminous, voluminous. <laughs> bounciest I've ever seen it uh, as Katie joins us. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. (laughs) I told the story. I told the story about how you freaked me out when you said FaceTime. Honestly, I didn't have time to tell you when we were on the phone. I thought it was because you said FaceTime me and it was before your interview. Remember uh, what was when Jade was like two and she gave you that giant black eye? Yeah. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was something like that. It wasn't even two. She gave it to me this summer. Yeah. Was it just last summer? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It yeah. still hurts. That's I think what... she fractured a bone in my face. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. I thought Offensive it was something foul. like that. And then she and then like I said, you answered and you're like smiling and waving your head around. I'm like, Did you did you do you have a concussion? <laughs> and then yeah, I, and then just to bring it all home, because Jay by the way, first question Jason asked, so are we gonna get her on StreamYard? Yeah, no. I wanted to see the, the hair. Yeah. But I'm in my bathrobe, and I don't think people need to see that. I we are too. Yeah, I literally just Facetimed you. But she's—it's not like Katie's rolling around in the skimpy bathrobe. She has like a—correct me if I'm wrong—it looked like you had two bathrobes on. Um, I have a onesie on and a bathrobe. Yeah, so it's not—I mean, you're more covered up. <laughs> you're like you're like a mummy with the face out. <laughs> Whatever. Exactly, which is why I opted for the phone call. This is my time to sit out in the rain on my patio and drink my coffee. I don't want to see your face. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Katie, first question, because we, we, we got to get to Kings and stuff, but we, we were having this conversation earlier, and uh, Mark Jones even piped in via text. He was listening uh, about how he accessorizes. I just got back from England. I was there for nine days, and I'm a guy, which means I can wear like you know, I can bring like one suit and wear it over and over again. Right, yeah. you're a girl, and so you've got to wear like every single night has to be a new outfit, right? And so I'm kind of obsessed with like, how do you pack for a trip like this? Like, how many bags are you taking? Yeah, uh, I'll probably take three. I'll take one with all my clothes for work, and one with other stuff and then i've i've started working out so like one with workout clothes yeah so i don't know i it's different guys can like you know i don't i don't know if people even notice but i only wear an outfit one time per season like i won't repeat outfits and i put a little um like little tag on it so i know if i've worn it or not but guys i feel like 
they can just wear the same suit yep. multiple yeah. times, change the shirt, yep. change the tie, whatever. That. Yep. And no one really knows. I don't even notice. So one per I don't season. Know. It's my yeah. Yeah. Where do you keep? I've been. I've seen your well, house. Not quite eighty two, but yeah. Where the hell do you keep all your stuff? Yeah, I bought three IKEA closets and put them in my garage so that I could put my work clothes in there. Now, will you wear? Will you recycle some of them next year? Like, will you bring back? Just yeah. Any- oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't buy a new wardrobe every year. I I'm not made of money. Um, yeah, no, I've built this wardrobe up since 20, uh, 2006, 2006, when I first got here, I started building it and the sizes have changed over the years. Some things I can't wear anymore. Um, the joy of having children, um, and being lazy and not working out, but yeah, no, it's, 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 it gets, it gets tedious. It gets annoying to be honest. It really does. I'd imagine Katie that you almost need a bag for your shoes mm-hmm. i mean to match outfits yeah, how much so of a challenge is that on the road i'll generally take like i'll probably take three pairs of shoes on this trip and just you know like uh they, they'll go with multiple outfits yeah well yeah. nobody can yeah. see your shoes though so why do you like why not just take one yeah i mean that's a very valid point and normally what i do is because a lot of times in arenas we're high we're not low so we'll do our our sit down or our uh, stand-up interview uh where we sit down (laughs) on the floor and then we have to go up the stairs Mm. and so um sometimes i won't even put on a pair of heels because i'm like that is a trek it's a dangerous set of stairs but most of the time i'll wear them and then i'll I'll either wear them for the whole game or i'll change out of them i mean this is like hard-hitting stuff right now well you just revealed that usually you guys are you guys you just revealed that usually you guys are high at the arena so katie christensen (laughs) joining us right now (laughs) okay last Last thing, and we'll wrap it up. When when the baggage handlers or whoever it is that's in charge, because I know you guys fly charter, when they see you coming, like are they like cracking their knuckles and like stretching? Or do you have more luggage than anyone else on the plane? I don't. I don't. I mean, no, I don't, because just alone with all the stuff that they have to take. Yeah. Do you realize that the team takes their own water? No. Yeah, boxes and boxes, like cases of water go on the plane. And then, you know, like for this trip, and I found this out last time, we'll take a bunch in the beginning, but then they'll get shipments to the hotel of this specific water that they drink. <laughs> Is it Fiji? Because it would be Fiji no, for me. It's no, it's not. No, uh, it's not. We have questions from the text line uh, and the chat room. Do you keep one lost records for your outfits? I do not. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. Here's yeah. a question. You would. I would 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Have you burned that orange one that you wore on opening night a few years ago against the Suns? That is like a special edition, like black label or whatever it is, like Ralph Lauren. I will never burn that. I don't fit into it anymore, but. <laughs> I don't think that was a question from the text line. I feel like that was Dave's What are you question. talking about? Don't pay, don't pay attention to that stuff. Oh, okay. All right, ask a Kings question. All right, I'll ask All a Kings right. question. Katie, we saw um, a fantastic version of Harrison Barnes um, the other night. I don't know that anybody would expect that every night, but that sure was great to see. Um, one, I guess, what did you see to lead up to that? I mean, they really featured him and he took advantage of that. And can we see more of that? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, this is kind of an interesting question because Mike Brown has been asked about play calls and things like that in the past. And usually Mike doesn't call plays. He really lets them kind of, you know, flow and he'll call some plays, but it's not like a consistent thing. But what I do know is he'll he'll call like a, a few in the beginning, right? Like, he'll start the game with some looks. And a lot of the times, Kevin Herter is the one that gets, like, the first shot of the game. Um, he's trying to get shooters going, that kind of thing. And um, I don't know if he started out trying to feature HB, um, but, you know, he got good looks early on. And sometimes it's, it's really – it may not be what they're looking for, but it's what, you know, the defense is giving – and he was super aggressive from the beginning. And they're just really good about featuring, you know, the hot hand. Um, he had a fantastic, you know, first half of the game was a little bit, you know, third quarter, if I remember correctly, was a little bit quiet. And then he got going later. But, you know, HV is such a pro. And he understood, like, the situation, four losses in a row. They really needed it. They needed someone to step up. He got it going early. And then he just remained aggressive. There's times where people feel like he's like the wilting flower of the starting five. And he's not, you know, he might get four shots. And it's like, how is he getting four shots, you know? Um, So, yes, I agree to a certain extent. He has to be more aggressive in some situations. But sometimes it's just the flow of the game and how it's going. And I will tell you what, Sadiq Bey is probably still having nightmares about Harrison Barnes because he just brutalized him in about every way possible. Katie Christensen joining us. So they beat Atlanta, swept Atlanta, and that's a team they rarely beat. Uh, I'm sure you're incredibly aware of this more than most, but we've been spending a lot of time this week on the insane road trip uh, and, and really road period that the Kings are taking two home games over the next calendar month, and you just got back from a long road trip. Five-gamer, yeah. Yeah. You've seen uh, more than your share of road trips. Uh, I I know people go, well, they're on private planes and they stay in five-star hotels, and they do and they do. Uh, But, you know, it's away from family. It's traveling. It's different time zones. It, It does take a human toll. But could this be something maybe that they're looking for? Could this be that that bonding, get away from home, get out there and right whatever has been wrong seemingly over the last few weeks with this team? So there's multiple things to say about kind of the statement and the question you just asked. I picked the top yes, two. It's, it's brutal to be on the road. Yeah, you're on private planes. Yeah, you're in five-star hotels. But you arrive in a city like, well, you know, they're, they'll, they'll go to Golden State, then after that, leave for Dallas. Um, and, you know, it's not very often that you stay overnight in a hotel after a game. You fly out right after you go to the next city. Um, and, you know, you're getting in about 2 in the morning. Like, your time is so incredibly, like, wacky on the road. You're in different time zones. Like, it's it's not, yeah, all of the, the comforts of the travel are there, but the schedule is brutal in terms of your sleep schedule and your recovery schedule and your, when you're at training table, which is, you know, when they go and get treatment and all that stuff. Like, it is, it's a very scheduled out, methodical thing, meals, all that stuff, practice, shoot around, film, walk through. Your time is really accounted for on the road. But I do recall playing 
um, being on the road was a great time to really bond and, and do stuff together because you're not really doing that at home, right? You've got your families, you've got your you know res- adult responsibilities that you manage and maintain. And on the road, there's a certain freedom in the sense that you don't have to deal with kind of the the details of life, right? So that can help to a large degree. But, you know, I look at I look at this last stretch and that four game losing stretch and and Philly they got their their butts kicked. They got it handed to them, yeah. right? Um the next three games, the next three losses were really games that they should not have lost. That's on them, right? It's not because they got outplayed. They gave it away in various, you know, Milwaukee, it was the free throws in overtime. Um, and then the next game was Phoenix. They had a, what, a 22-point lead in the fourth quarter and just completely allowed a change in defense, Phoenix going small to stall out their offense. Um, and then Indiana, same situation. You're up big. You let them back in. You weren't able to hold on to the lead. So those are all games that I feel like they should have won. And if they'd won two of the three, I don't think we'd have the same feeling right now as we do, um, even though they're coming off a win against Atlanta because they're going on this road trip. So I'm I'm hoping, and I'll be honest, I ha- I know the first two games. I've got to look at the schedule <laughs> for packing and weather, but it is a long one. I know we go to Miami. I think we go to Cleveland. Um, I know the first two is Golden State, Dallas. Um, after that, I don't know. And it's just, and I, I know that, you know, we're basically not home until very much until March. Um, I try to take it like one trip at a time. I know that, you know, we had five, we came home for two, we go out for seven. I think we come home for two. You're going into the all-star break, all this stuff. So it's just a really chaotic part of the schedule. And the challenge for them, you guys, is going to be figuring out a way to to win and close out on the road um, because that can be really hard to do in, you know, other people's arenas. So, you know what, take on the challenge right now and then, you know, come March, you're going to really have to try and dominate at home. Golden State, then you go to Dallas, as you said, Memphis, Miami, Indiana, Chicago, Cleveland. Uh, You come home for Detroit, Denver. Then you're back on the road, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Denver. You're back for one, San Antonio, then on the road to L.A., (laughs) back for one against Miami, then on the road to Denver and Minnesota, back for one against Chicago, and then back on the road against L.A. That takes you to March 7th. I want to – I, I, it's depressing, isn't it? Uh, well, you know, I mean, hey, first world well, problems. I mean, it's depressing for me because yeah. I got to pack. I know, right? Yes, yeah, you got to fly private planes and do a dream <laughs> job and oh, get gosh, per diem. You know. um, I want to just real quick. Let's do a quick back and forth uh, because I, I want. I think this is interesting, and forgive me if I'm wrong, fans uh, and listeners. Uh, I actually think this is kind of interesting. Just. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Just walk me through real quick. So you guys will play in San Francisco. Um, game, let's say, ends around 9.30. So what time do you generally – what time would you say on average wheels up would be after that game? Um, well, they're actually staying the night in Golden State okay. that night. But normally after a game um, – It'll be anywhere between like 11 and 11.30 at night. Okay, so you're up at 11.30. Let's see here. Let's look at, uh, for example, Dallas. Let's say they leave that night. So you get into Memphis at, at, I don't know, Dallas to Memphis. Let's say that's 2 in the morning. You get off the plane. I assume you get on buses to the hotel. But am I correct also in assuming that 
you you probably have an envelope with your hotel key and number on it and whatever you get to your room again i've never experienced this before so i'm I'm walking this through with the with the listeners here you get to your room am i correct in assuming that you get to your room without your baggage except for maybe something you carried on with you so then you have to kind of wait for your baggage to be delivered yeah generally um and you know like you can go downstairs and wait for the for the it's a moving truck that has that brings all the luggage you can wait for your bags and then take them up yourself or you can let you know the the um, baggage guys bring them up um like on this trip i probably won't wait because i'm going to have three bags and the two bags that i carry onto the plane you know it's a lot to it's pretty comical um to see it because i have waited and done it and it's it's a lot to manage but yeah and i think the thing is is like Oddly enough, and from everyone I've talked to and I'm, you know, on the staff side of things, it's super hard to fall asleep once you get to the hotel. It might be four in the morning before you're able to kind of fall asleep. So it's like, yeah, why not? Like, wait for your bags to come because, you know, you're definitely not, you know, getting into the hotel and immediately laying down and able to fall asleep. And and then when's generally 4 a.m. and then I'll finish here. So 4 a.m., whatever. When generally is like team breakfast, the first thing that people need to get to. So most of the time it's a shoot around and what, what they'll do is they'll have like a a brunch lunch for like a two hour time period after that. And so on the way to shoot around, they always have these, these breakfast bowls that are available for the players that they can grab and, and take and eat on the way to shoot around. And they have shoot around film, come back. Um, and then you've got that like two hour window or whatever to, to get food and eat. And then they'll go and nap and, you know, do their pregame routine. Yeah. Yeah. That nap time is, mm-hmm. that's the sweet spot for the players. They definitely yeah. have to get that. Um, yeah. Katie, I want to ask you about a couple of the things that we've seen some teams do that, like if we go back to the Phoenix game, Kings played some of their best basketball by far. And we've talked before about the, the last six minute meltdown where they went small and mm-hmm. unique. They were able to do that. So, um, we saw the zone a little bit by Atlanta, and I thought for about a four- to five-minute stretch, it kind of bothered the Kings, and then they figured it out. So as, as they've seen some things to try to challenge um, their offense, how do you think they're adapting with that going forward? So the zone situation, they're a much better team handling the zone this season than they were last season. And, you know, teams like Portland that play majority zone, you've got Utah that plays a lot of zone, you've got some teams that feature it in a in a bigger way. For me, the the most baffling thing about struggling with a zone is, and I've heard Mike scream at them um, from the sidelines, is you can run your player-to-player, you know, offense against a zone. You just have to shift uh, kind of how you set screens, the angles that you set screens. You have to make sure that you're constantly getting someone to the middle of the paint, that free throw line area that area is where you break down the zone and that opens up everything else. So if you're just whipping the ball around the outside, you're playing into the the hands of the zone defense. It's stalling you out. Um, I feel like they've done a better job this year of handling it. The, The baffling thing to me about the Phoenix game, when they went small and they put Kevin Durant on, um, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, it's crazy to call that small ball because Kevin Durant is six, nine, six, same size as Domas. He just doesn't play in the center, you know, ever. Um, And what upsetted me about that situation and was so baffling to me is this is not a team that chooses to isolate mismatches. 
on a very regular basis. It's just not within their offense. They've talked about it a bunch of times, but that is not how they approach it. They're not trying to find the, they call it the Mickey. You're not trying to find the Mickey and take advantage of it on a consistent basis. There are teams that will do it every single time down the floor. Um, But the problem with doing that is that it, stalls out the rest of your offense you're not moving you're you're trying to to keep the matchup that you want and then you're just iso ball this is not an iso ball team and so the fact that they continue to try to go to that and um kind of go through DeMontis Sabonis and try to get him to score in that Phoenix game down the stretch really was confusing to me because if you just run your stuff they're go- you're still going to have mismatches throughout because you're, you're playing against a small ball lineup. Um, so I think that in those situations, they kind of go back, they look at the film, they talk about what went wrong, and in theory, the next time you face something like that, it's not going to have the same effect. So, again, you know, you read the schedule earlier, Dave. They're going to face Phoenix here. again. I mean, we've played them so many freaking times this year. Between Phoenix and New Orleans, you know, five times, ten of our games are against And Golden teams. State, throw that in. <laughs> Yeah, Golden State, but Golden State that, you know, they played in the preseason. So I think that feels that way. Um, We played them a lot early on, but we're still only playing the Warriors four times versus five times East Phoenix, New Orleans. So, you know, I and it's crazy in that sense. I I think that the Kings have played Phoenix incredibly well. We obviously know New Orleans has been a just horrendous matchup for them this season. We don't play New Orleans again, I think, until the beginning of April. So we'll see how that final game goes. But, yeah, I mean, Jason, there's been some things that you can take out of it. Um, We'll see if other teams try to do the same thing and just it's about, okay, then we're going to learn how much they they took from that lesson. Yeah, they play uh, Golden State. Thankfully, this will be the fourth and final time they play Golden State here in the regular season. Good to get them out of the way before the end of January and all the emotions that go with it. All right, well, good luck. Uh, have a good call tomorrow night, and uh, make sure, you know, you do all the stuff. You turn the turn the hot water heater to vacation, you know, <laughs> get all this. Well, I've got dogs here, so somebody has to be at the house. So, uh, yeah, my house is not empty. Will yeah, you will you luckily. be spending Will you be spending your day cooking uh cooking up all the dog food while you're gone for them to be peaceful? Yeah, out? so I've got two weeks of dog yeah. food to make. Yeah. yeah, I do have dog food to make today, but I have it down to a science, Dave. So yeah, most, most spoiled dogs on the planet. That's right. Why take five minutes to do something when you can take thirty? It's Katie Christensen <laughs> joins us each and every Wednesday. Thanks. You're so lucky that I am not there to physically just smack you upside the head well, right now at least the audience would benefit because they could see your voluptuous and uh, <laughs> uh bouncy hairstyle i don't think it's voluptuous it's i think you're vol- looking for oh, voluminous oh yeah. sorry <laughs> oops okay i'm gonna turn red talk to you later okay bye <laughs> jesus want to get away yeah maybe uh, <laughs> all right that's katie chris voluminous mm. We'll take a break when we come back. Uh, Leon Lee will join us. Uh, Hall of Fame inductee to the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. It'll be fun to catch up with him. We'll do that next. and purple it's the carmichael dave show with jason ross on your local sports leader sacktown sports all right we continue our tour 
of uh, the Sacktown Sports Hall of Fame. Not what it's called, Sacramento Sports <laughs> Hall of Fame. And uh, yesterday we had Nick Johnson on. Yes. We brought him in saying, hey, you know, your Uncle Larry, Larry Boa, mm-hmm. is in. So is this going to be a little easier around Christmas time, you know, because he can't talk all that garbage? Well, yeah. our next guest. How about this? Very unique, uh, at least for me here, because, well, first off, he, now he can talk all the trash he wants because his brother and son. It's a family affair. Right. So, like, now he's long overdue. Yeah. It's also, this is, I believe, a first. I've been doing this now a long time. I think this is the first time I've ever had a guest on that chaperoned a field trip for me in junior high. Mm. Yeah. I wonder how he would explain the story. (laughs) Well, we'll welcome in right now. Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame elect and uh, all-time great Mr. Leon Lee. Uh, Mr. Lee, it's Dave. It's Jason. Good morning. Dave and Jason, uh, good morning, and thank you so so much for having me on. Uh, this is, like I said, this is uh, this is I I grew up with your son, as you know, and and with you, and and um, it, it's been very interesting, not just following you, but over the years, of course, we all followed Derek with uh, so much pride and everything he did, not just the numbers he put up, but how he carried himself, and now it's his turn and our turn to honor you. As uh, long overdue, like we said, you finally get your place in the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, it's uh, number one, it's a great honor. Uh, number two, I think the bigger honor, and I know Jason mentioned something from the past, but you know, Dave, you come in really big in our past. I mean, your whole family, mother, sister, father, I mean, you, we were like family back in the day. And you not only grew up with Derek, I mean, it was almost like, you know, there in Carmichael area where we grew up, actually. Uh, not and call you Carmichael Bay, but those are some of the best memories in history when the kids are growing up and you were at the house and the, it, it was wonderful. Some great memories, and I'm I'm just so you know honored to be on the on the radio with you and Jason. Well, I got to ask you then, how, how was Dave as a kid? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, you know, we know Dave as an adult. Sometimes it feels like he hasn't quite grown up. So, how was he as a kid? Well, you know, I, you know, Dave was kind of you know our family and you know Derek I used to always tease him he was a good athlete but he was kind of nerdish and hanging out with Dave you know it was sort of like well you know two of a kind hang together you know kind of nerdy you know what I mean too nice Uh never get in trouble you know as a parent you're going like come on you guys sometimes you know make some kind of trouble sometimes And, you know, I lost track with Dave, and I'll hear, I'll start hearing all this stuff about Carmichael Dave. Carmichael Dave, who in the heck is that? <laughs> and I've been away in Japan for a long time and come back, and I go, oh, my God, that's Dave Wegler. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I should tell you, since we're having kind of a, a retrospective here, uh, my, my, my mom and dad still follow uh, you. And, and as you, you said before, you and Pam and my mom and dad and the whole families were so close. And my mom... First thing when I said you were coming on, said, please tell that man I love him and I miss him. And, and she does and she does. And we just thought the world of each other. And for, for those listening right now that are hearing us catch up, you know, I'll now apply this in a broad sense. It, it's about, you know, I very much, this is the first time in my life, it's weird for me to hear, uh, 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 I, I, I got to call him Mr. Lee. Sorry, I can't do it. Uh, it's the first time I've That's ever. my nickname. It, he's, he's never called me Dave, ever. Yeah. This is the first, and, it, and it's weird to me to hear him call me Dave because growing up with him, I was David. I was uh-huh. always David. Right. It, it's just how the family. And, our, and the families were very close. But one of the things that 
you know, you taught me and you really, you really kind of drove in you and Pam to, to your kids and, and to me and my sister was just the way you carry yourself, the way you have pride for the region and the way that yep. you act when no one is looking. I remember you saying that all the time. It's the way you act when no one's looking. And absolutely, I think that carries on with you and obviously carried on with your son, who we love so much. Yeah, it was, you know, that's one thing I was proud of. Even all the years Derek played in the big leagues, you know, whenever I went to see him, the manager of the clubs, you know, whether it's Torborg or McKeon or Leland or the first thing they always said was about his character, you know, how great a kid he is and how he carries himself. And I said, for a parent, those are the things you really want to hear. The baseball part of it is exciting, but it's nothing like character and carrying yourself and being responsible. And uh, that's that's all you ask of especially ball players to be good characters. I'm thinking about that for you in your career as a player, you, you know, you're doing your thing, trying to make your own career and, and do your best when it's your child, you, you have a lot of years to shape and form them. How about when you were managing, could you find that you could get improve people's character? Did you feel like you had that influence on, on some of your players? I did, you know, even, even the, you know, my coaching career, you know, with Chicago and I went back to Japan and managed and, I think that's one of the reasons why the players really accepted me, even though I carried myself that way in the years that I played. But as a manager, it really wasn't about results. It was always about the process and how nine players or 20 players, you know, all kind of put all their efforts, you know, because the old saying is the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So I just individualized everybody and built their own character as much as possible and say, hey, be yourself out there and, 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 do your training you know everywhere you go you have your training whether it's law enforcement military whatever and if you're in a uniform boy you kind of owe it to yourself to be a strong link in that chain and when the players buy in it really works you know because you're saying whether we win or lose it's just really the entertaining part and how you carried yourself and how you competed on the on the field of battle and and no matter where you go, that works. I mean, Dusty was great at it. You know, I think Jimmy Leland as manager's why he's going to the Hall of Fame. You're not really managing the game; you're managing people. And uh, I think it works. I think in life it works, and that's why Derek and the kids, you know, they're always good because we just talked about how he handles situations, you know, and um, and they they've all done very well with it. Ray has done great, and Brian, and you know, Derek was the older brother, but you know, and he would tease him a lot, but. If he told you he was going to be somewhere at 10 o'clock, he was there. You know, it, it, it was important. Leon Lee joining us, Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame inductee. I, I might get the timing right, Mr. Lee, but I want to say it was when we were in seventh grade, might have been eighth grade, you you went uh, overseas uh, to, to work on Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck. Um, yes. And I, I very specifically remember that, you know, you were gone a lot and at a real – you know, while your kids were growing up, you, you were very busy and you were gone, yeah. but when you were home, you were home. And I know you kept in touch, obviously when you were on the road, but when you were at home, you were there, you were everywhere. You were incredibly involved. And did that example you set, um, make it a little bit easier when you knew your son was going into that life, that baseball life that he'd be able to take that and, and, and pass it on as he has to his family. Absolutely. And uh, Jason, I'm glad you brought that up because I was always conscious of being gone. And and it, it bothered me because the kids grew up really fast. And 
but yeah, you're right. When I was home, I was home and, and such a coincidence because when Brian was the youngest, my youngest son was young and he sent me a letter one time. He goes, pop, I don't know where you are, but wherever you are, I still love you. You know, and that, that those type of things really mean a lot. And coincidentally, when I come home and he was playing in a recreation basketball league, when one of his teammates was Matt Barnes and, you know, growing up together. Now here we are going into the hall of fame together. You know, there are no coincidences. I think things happen for a reason, but you know, we followed Matt his whole career and he was kind of part of the family and, you know, and, and so when I was home, you're absolutely right. I was home. That was like some of the best times of my life, seeing the kids grow up and, and what they grew up into. So that's, to me, it's just what it's all about. I know it sounds a little mushy, but that's how we were raised. (laughs) I'd be curious too, from your perspective, Leon, about there's something, you know, Dave's lived here his whole life. I've been here so long now. Um, and we see other athletes, you know, if we're taking the Kings, for example, people come in, maybe come in reluctantly to Sacramento and before long their careers are over and they still live in Sacramento. What is it about this area for you that is, has been so appealing? You know, it's, it's, you know, beyond family, uh, it's friends, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, other than the ones that have passed away it's almost like in sacramento there's a magnet you know it's not it's a not a small town but it's kind of a small town mentality the, you know the weather's milder people are milder travel is milder um you know home is home you know my parents I always considered like there's just no way when the season is over i enjoy playing and being away from home but i but the the key or the big part of the year was actually coming home mm. And I, I could never picture myself going anywhere else. And 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 the, what I was saying is, friends are for life here in Sacramento. Um, it's not a transient town. Seems like there's a lot of people that move here. One of my best buddies in life, Taylor Duncan, who passed was a first round draft pick with Atlanta, came in from Memphis, and we got to be friends at seven, and we were friends for life. Uh, just seems to be that way. I don't know why. Dave Wagler, my God, who would be a lifelong <laughs> friend with him? I mean, but the family, it was just stuck. I mean, we, it just never changes. You know, you may not see each other for a while, but but when you come home, it's like, boom, your, your extended family, friends, and everybody are always there. And that just became such a huge, huge part of my life. Well, when we, we were going to do this and, and have, you know, everybody entering uh the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame uh, and you mentioned Matt you know Del Campo and all that is is special but I told Jason this is going to be a special interview for me for sure uh you know because you were you always larger than life uh to me growing up but you and Pam and as you said Ray and Brian and and Derek always uh, treated us like family so I will say yes. for uh for Mark Martella for Brian Belcastro for Sean Cotton oh for God. Matt Myers <laughs> for Shane Sullivan for Kevin Lyman and all the all the rest of them that I'm forgetting that uh you opened your door to we are all always we're so proud of you and and thank you so much really Mr. Lee for the influence and the mentorship and the effect you had on all of us and so many more it it means so much and every time i talk to you you know i have a 16 and 15 year old at home but i'm uh, i'm 12 years old again when i talk to you each and every time that means so much dave i mean it's like it you know as as you get older you cry you know i'll cry over a nickelodeon movie but (laughs) but uh, hearing that you just can't even imagine how much that means to me uh that's special and i want you to give when you talk to him because i still keep up with 
Matt Myers and Sean Cotton's out of the country. Yeah. And, you know, the friends, you know, Dwayne Hayes and Mark Martella. Yep. Mark and Derek has been lifelong friends. It looks like, you know, Derek is 6'5 and Mark is 5'2. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With the puka shell necklace still, I always see it. Oh, him. my God. Just take a picture and frame it. You know, these are lifelong friends. Right. Make a movie out of it. But, <laughs> but yeah, Dave, that and Jason, that, that just brings up those things that are the most special to you, you know, it's just the family and friends. And that's what's, that's what it's all about. And going into the hall, you know, you mentioned Nick Johnson. I coach Nick Johnson in a American Legion ball post 61. And next thing you know, he's the first baseman for the Yankees playing in the world series against my son with the Marlins in Oh three. And I'm going like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, two Sacramento kids, you yeah. know, at, you know, we all grew up together and, and there's just an intertwined relationship there that lasts for life, you know. And I think that's what makes this honor going in with Derek and my brother yeah. so special, you know. Just um, you know, it's not really about me and my career. I know I, it, it kind of validates it because people thought Japan baseball was all you know, small people and short fences. And these last World Baseball Classics has shown that you know Japan is on the map. You know, they can play, and it wasn't easy playing in Japan. For 10 years it wasn't easy at all because you know they try to keep the balance the strike zones are different you know we never complained we just competed but mm -hmm. i always thought if all was not trying to be balanced out one of the umpires told me our strike zone's bigger because if we if they didn't make it bigger we'd hit 80 percent of the time we'd hit home runs and i said wow what an honor but that's impossible <laughs> and i always thought man i could have hit at least 10 home runs more a year uh -huh. to add it on but but it wasn't easy because, you know, you stand out and people and the pitchers were, you know, like I always got like Barry Bonds of the year when they wouldn't throw to him. And I said, we were like that constantly. And, and we kind of overcame in a way, you know, and, um, and it was fun. It was, it was a great experience in life. So uh, it's really validation. And I'm being on this radio show with you guys. I, I could tell all the people that listen to this station that, this is special. I mean, it, it's more, it's just, you know, say, yeah, just Sacramento. It's not like the Major League Hall of Fame, but it is to me. Um, it's huge. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, we're all so proud of you. Please uh, give my love, our love uh, to Pam and the rest of the family, uh, the kids who aren't kids anymore. We're so proud <laughs> of you. And, and thank you for everything, Mr. Lee. It's so well my, deserved. My pleasure, David. <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> <laughs> Take care and congratulations. Congrats. We'll see you soon. Love you guys all. Appreciate all right. it. Love you, you too, sir. Bye bye. That's, That's awesome. Lee. That's really cool. Nerd. <sighs> We're nerds. <laughs> he called you Dork. a nerd. Talking about nerds. Playing sports nerds. Dork. He called his own son a nerd too. Yeah, well known fact. Derek had a uh, scholarship waiting for him from uh, Dean Smith at North Carolina wow. to go play basketball. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like he was good. Yeah. I didn't think he was North Carolina good, but wow, yeah, my goodness gracious. Shade. All right, <laughs> we'll take a break. That was Leon Lee. That, that was fantastic. Was, that was special. When we come back, who's hot? Who's not? We'll do that next. What's hot? Yeah, hot, real hot. And what's not? It's not good. Brought to you by American Energy Heating and Air, Sacramento's complete heating and cooling company, and second opinion partner. Before we get to who's hot, Dwayne on the uh, YouTube chat. He said, that's what having 12 hours of local sports talk's all about. Much more than just the Kings. We love it and refer to 
Leon Lee coming on. That was that was cool. It was, was fantastic. Really, that was really awesome. And uh, props to him. Uh, congratulations to him and his whole family. And we appreciate good him job, coming David. on. More good job, David. You nerd. Who's hot, Chris? The Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. Their 111 to 109 win over the Blazers was their third win in a row and gives them a record of 30 and 13. I protest. Which is good enough to make them the number one seed in the Western Conference. Haven't beat the Kings. Haven't beat the Kings. So maybe that's why the Kings are doing so bad right now, is they're trying to match up with the Thunder in the playoffs. Good good thinking. By the way, while we were on with with, uh, Mr. Leon Lee, uh, Doc Rivers hiring to the Bucks is official. Giannis! Damn. <laughs> so we might have been doing this for the last two breaks. Yeah, I, I, I gathered. Now it's like, who, who's who's going into the TV rotation, Jason? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'll still call it. <laughs> Coach broadcaster. Um, They could just leave it Mike Breen and Doris Burke. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Hubie Brown and Ali. They'll call uh, Mark Jackson back, uh, JVG. Good. Yeah. They should bring Katie in. There you go. There you go. With her new and improved hair. With her new and improved bouncy hair. Yeah. Who's not? NBA officiating. Oh. Talked about it earlier. The Charlotte Hornets beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 128 to 125. Carlton Towns had a monster game. The referees, not so much. Not so much. Not so much. In the last two-minute report, there were 10 missed calls in the final two minutes. Seven of those disadvantaged the Timberwolves, and three disadvantaged the Hornets. Just dumb. Yeah, that's just you got you got to do better than that, referees. Yeah, that's right. one missed call every twelve seconds. Oh God, that's <laughs> that's a real great perspective. Wow, jeez, that's you couldn't do it. You you and I literally could do better. Yes, yeah, and we're not highly paid referees. What do they get paid? Uh, all right, well, we got to go to break. So that's a We're great question. We're not doing four-down territory. Oh, we do. We have time? Can we? Can we fit it in? If we can do it very quickly, Let's it's a flash challenge. version of four-down territory. Let's go, Christopher Lod. What if Aaron Rodgers never got hurt? Do you think the Jets would have been in the playoff team? Would have been a playoff team, and maybe still even playing now? Yes and no. I do think they would have been a playoff team. I don't think they would have made the conference championship. Okay. I do think they would have been a playoff team. I'm going to go with no and no. Mm, we're wrong. I don't like it. Second down. A couple of NFL mock drafts are out, and they have the first three picks as quarterbacks. Are teams too obsessed with drafting that position? No. It's the most important position in sports. You've got to have a quarterback. Yeah, so then you can get it wrong and you know, draft one in fields, and like now we're going to have another first pick. Man, maybe we should take a quarterback. Well, what are they doing? Well, look at, you know, when you look Brock at... Brock Purdy. Everybody should draft a, Drock, a Brock Purdy. Look at last weekend. Every single every single quarterback in the in the final round of uh, Divisional, every single one was a first-round pick except Brock Purdy. Yeah, seven great QBs of Brock Purdy. Yeah, oh, wow, Jason Trask. Third <laughs> down. Bill Vinovich, Vinovich was named to lead the officiating crew for Super Bowl 58. Would you want the pressure of refereeing the Super Bowl? Well, on the surface, of course I wouldn't. But, like, if I'm a referee and that's my job that's and I'm it. getting paid. That's, you made it to the big Yes, time. I want to be able to say I was a Super Bowl ref. And everyone's chasing, uh, uh, who was it, Jerry Markbright? 
Is that the guy? Really? Wasn't that the guy? Wasn't that the ref? I had that, the most? Yeah. Well, I feel like uh, I'll, I'll look that up. Okay. But I, that was the. It seemed like he was refing every Super Bowl growing up. Wow. Yeah. If I was a me, I don't. I'm yeah, not a ref. Because you also wouldn't want that. Like, oh, they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl without that terrible call. Exactly. I hope it doesn't. I don't want that to ever happen to a ref. Yeah, with or betting or, and all that. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Markwright is the only official work for Super Bowls. Jerry Markwright? What a how ball! Do you, how do I you don't have know. that? I don't know. It was it, that's a Cliff Clavin in the back. I can't remember what you said five minutes yeah. ago, but I know Jerry Markwright refed four Super Bowls. I had my fifth breakfast burrito today. <laughs> well, how would you grade Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> Fourth down. The odds to win the Super Bowl are as follows: 49ers, forty-seven percent; Ravens, twenty-seven point five percent. Chiefs, 15.7%. Lions, 9.8%. Don't think that adds up to 100. Do these seem right to you? Uh, No, they don't. I would first off switch the Niners and Ravens. The Ravens just went into San Francisco and spanked the 49ers like five minutes ago. I don't understand how the Ravens are behind significantly the Niners. I would also probably take some off that 47%. I'd make Niners and Ravens a little bit closer, maybe five points off, and and, and have the Niners there uh, uh, behind the Ravens, and I'd move the Chiefs up a little bit too. Don't discount the champions. Lions, yeah, they're probably about right. I think it does add up, Chris. Oh, are we doing this? Yeah. 74, 84, 89. I was obsessed with adding it. 99. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, it does. Okay. Well, all right. Well, we figured that out. Okay. Uh, Another question. Well, uh, yeah, the Niners seem a bit hot, at least as far as the ratio goes. Um, I understand where the Lions are the lowest, but the disparity, yeah, it seems a a bit high. I don't have a problem with the order, but am I I wrong? Why are the Ravens not favored ahead of the Niners? They just beat them. Yeah. They just beat them at Maybe full strength. Maybe because of, I think the perception is to win the Super Bowl, the Ravens would have to beat the Chiefs and most likely the Niners, yeah. which they're yeah. capable of. Maybe the path seems uh, the quote path unquote is, easier, so the percentage. I think you're right. That's the best I think answer That's for that. a good answer. I think that's a huge part of it, if not most of it. Thanks. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, a meal, not a snack. Fergoso joins us, Niners at 9. Yeah. We'll ask him that question, too. Okay. We'll do that next.